Welcome to Thousand Hills Ranch Church, where we lead people to ride for Christ. We are excited for you to hear this message, and we hope it blesses your life. Well, Happy New Year. Welcome to our Thousand Hills Ranch Church New Year's Eve message. We are so excited that you decided uh, to join us this morning. Um, I want to say thank you. Uh, I know that you guys have plenty of stuff going, and for you to show up on, uh, whether it's uh, this morning, whether it's you know, the next day, whatever it is, to listen to this. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for that. It means a whole lot. Um, I want to say to those of us that are new, if you're new to our church and you're online for the first time visiting our website, uh, we want to welcome you as well. Uh, we are a, an awesome church that uh, desires to lead others to ride for Christ. And so um, we're excited that you're here this morning as well. Uh, one other thing is, if you don't have a church home, we would love to invite you to the Woodward Livestock Auction in Woodward, Oklahoma, every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 10.30 a.m. Uh, we also have ranch groups, which are groups that meet in, sm- uh, they're small groups that meet in homes every Sunday night as well. And so we will kick those off uh, probably within the next uh, couple weeks, and you can take part in those from 5.30 to 7.30 on Sunday nights. Um, but we just wanted to throw that out. Uh, if you uh, aren't able to make it to church and you still desire to give generously to our church to help us reach more people and lead others to ride for Christ, we uh, would just invite you to give online. Uh, it's just as easy as going to the Give tab right there on our website and giving online. It's safe, secure, and, and just a blessing to, to be able to receive your generosity and, and do God's will with it. So, well, today, I, I want to say again, Happy New Year. I hope you're with your family and friends. Uh, Heather and I are actually in Oklahoma City doing our first ever New Year's Eve wedding. And so uh, our friend of ours, a uh, couple friend of ours, uh, are having an awesome wedding in Oklahoma City, and we're excited to be a part of that. Uh, I think it's a great deal to have, you know, your wedding on a special day that you won't forget, hopefully, Dax. Um, but anyways, uh, so uh, we're at this wedding this morning um, as you watch this. Uh, I'm actually in my office, so it's kind of weird, but... Uh, So, anyways, uh, this morning I want to finish a series entitled The Legend. The Legend. We've been in this series for the last couple weeks, uh, and we we talked through uh, some of what a legend is. A legend can be a story that's either, you know, unverifiable or unauthenticated or whatever it is. It can be kind of a tall tale, or it can be a person. A uh, person that has made a legend for themselves by doing some miraculous things or some pretty, you know, awesome things with their life. And so you've got those two ways of defining the legend. Um, the first part that we looked at was the legend of Christmas. And as we learned that, you know, the story of Jesus and Christmas, it's not reasonable. Um, as you think about it, it almost feels like a legend. It feels like it's kind of, you know not true, could be, could be not, you know, and it's not, so it's not reasonable, but what we learned was it's supernatural. And so everything that you uh, uh, apply to the Christmas story or the birth of Jesus, it's, again, it goes into your mind, you're thinking, well, that doesn't make sense. I don't know how that works. Well, again, it's not reasonable, it's supernatural. And therefore, you know, parts of the Christmas story that we, you know, looked at, and I burst some of y'all's bubbles about, you know, maybe the logistics of it not maybe being on December 25th, that may or may not be true, or, you know, the, you know, the shepherds being in the flocks and all that stuff outside, you know, in the winter, it may, may or may not be true. 
But the truth of the story uh, is that, that Jesus came, and that's very, very true. And so we talked about the legend of Christmas. Uh, we talked about, uh, in part two, we talked about Jesus, the living legend. I mean, he's a living legend. His life was legendary, his love was legendary, and his resurrection was legendary. And because of that, we serve a living legend. Uh, we looked at you know, some of the people that have passed on, you know, like uh, some famous people like John Wayne or James Dean or Johnny Cash. I mean, those are all legends uh, in, in our world. But Jesus is not a legend because of his death. And it, it, he didn't become a legend after his death. He became a legend after he rose from the dead. And so we uh, serve a living legend well, like I say, today I want to wrap up this series uh, with another message that I believe that God wants to use to get you started on the right foot for 2018. And so it's a new year, 2018, and uh, I don't know if you take any time to maybe reflect on the, you know, the past year or to look forward to the future year, but for some of us, we at least maybe take a minute uh, to think about things that maybe we want to accomplish in uh, the next year, and we make what, you know, as all of you know, um, our New Year's resolutions. Um, For me, I'll I'll give you a few of mine. I'll just try to maybe be a little bit transparent so that maybe you can be challenged to maybe set a few as well. Uh, For me, I want to lose weight, just like uh, I think, you know, 100 million people probably make that resolution. Um, My wife is fit. She looks good. Um, She is an amazing woman, and here I am, and I have jelly rolls. Um, <laughs> and so I kind of want to lose my belly fat. I kind of want to get the six pack that I had maybe in 10th grade. Um, I know that's probably unrealistic, uh, with, with as old as I'm getting, but it's, you know, it's something that I am making a new year's resolution to do. And, uh, sometime in the near future, I'm going to have a workout bench here in the office there to where I have no excuses not to work out. And, so I've bit that bullet, and I'm making that uh, open to you guys uh, to take the same challenge, and we can do this together. We can lose our jelly rolls, Woo-hoo! even though I love donuts with jelly in them. Uh, um, but uh, here's another resolution that I made, and I'm, I'm letting my wife in on this one. Uh, I haven't even told her really this one, and, and she probably won't watch this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She hopefully will. Um, but I, I want to be more romantic. And uh, some of you guys are like, crap, man, why are you going there? I mean, why you got to show us up? Why you got to, you know, share all this so my wife can hear this? Well, again, I, I want to be more, more romantic. I, I used to be a romantic kind of guy and, you know, plan dates and all that stuff when I was wooing my, my wife. And uh, for some reason, like most of us, I would say I've lost some of that romantic, um, you know, desire. Uh, and so one of my desires is, is to be more romantic. I, I want to maybe plan a romantic date. I wrote some of these things down. I want to speak my love more. There are often times where I, I, I think something like, she looks hot, or you know, she's beautiful, or you know, uh, you know, sh- that dress is really good. You know, I don't know that she wears dresses very often, but you know, that dress looks really good on her. Um, and you know, just compliment her, you know, speak more love. I want to be more... Uh, vulnerable, uh, which isn't always a masculine thing to do, but um, to be able to swallow our pride and just say, hey, babe, I love you, and here's why, and just share um, why I love her. And so I want to be romantic. I want to lose a little weight. Maybe those two will go hand in hand. Uh, Maybe, you know, if I look good, she might, you know, want to be more romantic too. 
Uh, but anyways, uh, I want to spend less and save more. I don't know if you're a spender like I am, but um, I love to spend money, and it's kind of a... Always just been, you know, something that fulfills me. I want to, I want to have fun with the money that uh, God has blessed us with. So I want to, but I want to spend less and save more. I want to get out of debt. Um, I, that's one of our desires is to be out of debt. And speaking of that, in the next few weeks, we're probably, hopefully, Lord willing, going to start uh, Financial Peace University. It's a Dave Ramsey study. Uh, and so in our ranch group time, we're going to go throughout uh, the first maybe four or five weeks and hopefully be able to start that um, teaching on how to have financial peace and how to save more money. So be, be ready for that as well. But I'm going to be a part of that class because I need it. And, and again, I've got to start, uh, you know, college funds or, you know, car funds or, or whatever else. And so I want to spend less and save some more money. Well, those are just a few of mine, um, probably all of mine, because I'm going to be lucky to get through those. But um, maybe yours are you want to get organized. Uh, maybe it's, you know, you need to purge some things. I mean, you got a closet and a half and I'm telling on myself, but I got, you know, clothes and all kinds of jackets because I have a jacket fetish and vest fetish and, you know, boot fetish. And so all those things. And so I, I have this part of my closet, Heather has her part. And then I have part of my boy's closet as well. And so what I found is I could purge, man. And maybe that's yours. Maybe you need to purge, you know, that, that nasty undershirt, men. Or maybe those nasty underwear that you uh, seem to always think, you know, are clean, but they're really not. And they actually have some holes in them. Uh, or maybe, you know, a few skid marks or whatever. Uh, I know I just went too far, but maybe you need to get rid of those. And maybe your, your romance will go up. Uh, that's just a hint. Um, but maybe, ladies, you're on the edge of hoarding. And you need to purge a bunch of stuff. Get organized and just throw a bunch of stuff away. The knickknacks or the things that... You know, you think, well, that's, you know, meaningful or whatever. Well, again, maybe it's just a piece of junk and you just need to get rid of it as well. So maybe yours is getting organized. Maybe yours is enjoying life more. Uh, Maybe you need to, you know, save a little money and take a vacation with your family and and not waste the time that you have with your kids, maybe while they're young or, or go see, you know, that college student of yours that's in college, make a trip, you know, to the to the college where they're going and just, you know, surprise them, take them out to supper uh, and just enjoy life more. Maybe you need to try a new hobby, Um, you know, like going to the gym or, you know, roping or, you know, whatever it is. Maybe you just need to try something new. Well, here's here's the deal. These are all great things. I mean, starting new things, you know, having new challenges, all those things are great. But here's my hope and my prayer. My hope and my prayer is that each of you would resolve to do something that will help you grow closer to God. And this should be at the top of your list. And you say, okay, but what's yours? Well, I'll give you a few of mine. I want to be a better preacher. Um, (laughs) Some of you guys are like, well, yeah, you need to. Um, but some of you guys are like, no, man, you're, you're the greatest preacher I've ever heard, you know, or, um, and that's probably just my mom. But anyways, uh, so yeah, I want to be a better preacher. I want to ner- I want to learn some new ways to communicate. Uh, I want to develop, uh, some, some friendships with other pastors so that I can learn from them and become a better pastor and a better preacher and, and better at, at presenting the good news of Jesus in a, in a more creative way. Logistically, I, I want to do some things differently. 
Uh, I've noticed uh, we've had, you know, an amazing talent uh, come and take pictures during our, our gatherings at the cell barn while I'm preaching and while we're singing and all that stuff. And it's been pretty awesome. Um, but one thing I notice is I point a lot. So I'm like this in like 92 of the pictures. And so you say, well, that's small. That's no big deal. But for me, I want to be a better preacher. Therefore, I might, you know, stop pointing as much because my mom always told me that wasn't very nice. But um, that's one of the things, you know, I say certain things when I'm preaching. Uh, I repeat certain words and I'm not going to tell you which ones because you'll start counting uh, while you're in church and not listen to my message. But it, here's the other thing. I, I, I want to put more trust in God rather than relying so much on maybe what I can do to make the message great. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but, but a phrase that has helped me in realizing this is this. And, and I wrote it down in my, my iPad here. It says, you know, what we worry about most is what we trust God with the least. And so for me, uh, this is preaching. I worry about it. You know, I, I get concerned about it. And, and, and again, I'm trying to learn, you know, the level of I got to get this ready. I got to prepare. But then there's the side of I'm worried about it. I can't sleep. I lose sleep. I get stressed. I, you know, I, you know, snap at my kids, whatever, until that gets done. And so a part of me realizes that I have to get this done. I mean, obviously, it's my calling, my job. But at the end of the day, God has called us not to worry and fret and get stressed over things, but to trust Him more. And so for, for me, that's you know, something that I need to trust Him more in my preaching. Uh, so this is a spiritual resolution that I want to see change in my life for 2018. Maybe uh, for you, uh, your spiritual resolution needs to be maybe something like this. Maybe you need to build a reputation of being a, a godly woman or a godly man. Uh, and you say, well, how do I do that? Well, it starts at home. It starts in private. It starts by reading your Bible every day and preparing for God to use you in ways you know that He's never used you before uh, to reach people. Maybe He's never you know reached before or never used you to reach before. So maybe you need to read your Bible every day. Uh, maybe you need to just you know uh, pray for your kids out loud on a daily basis. I know I pray with my kids on the way to school. I take them to school uh, a lot of mornings, and, and we'll get the verse of the day from the Version Bible app on you know, Madeline's phone or Hank's iPod or whatever it is, and, or my phone, and we'll, we'll, we'll dissect that verse, and then we will pray and ask God to give us what that verse is suggesting or, or teaching us. And so maybe yours is, I want to start doing that. It doesn't take five minutes. And every day, our kids are being filled with the Word of God, being prayed over, and a lot of times they'll pray as well. And they're starting their day with the knowledge of God and, and that he's with them and that he's going to use them. And so maybe that's, you know, something that you can do to build a reputation of being a godly man or woman or a godly mom or dad with your kids. Um, maybe you need to start praying with your wife or your husband. Um, and you need to, you know, just make that a resolution. We're going to pray every night before we go to bed or we're going to pray every morning you know, before breakfast or while we're eating breakfast, we're going to pray for each other. Um, maybe you need to, you know, uh, the spiritual discipline of stopping certain things, you know, um, and not, you know, doing certain things that you know God uh, wouldn't want you to do. You know that they're sin. And so you need to make a resolution. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop, you know, doing these things so that I can build a reputation of being a godly man or a godly woman. 
Um, maybe your resolution needs to be you just need to show others love more. Maybe you have some enemies that you need to show your love more uh, for. Uh, maybe you have some people at work that, you know, that just get under your skin and it's hard to love them. I, I don't know what it is, but maybe you need to show them or you know, serve them or do an act of kindness uh, that shows them that love. Maybe, uh, here's a good one, and I know we all need to do this, but maybe um, you need to be more joyful. Uh, your attitude really stinks, and you know you just walk around like a sourpuss, and it's like nobody wants to hang out with you, and you're just always bitter, or you're always negative. When somebody says you know black, you say white. When someone you know says it's cold, you say it's hot. I mean, it's just like this never-ending negativity, and and you need to maybe have an attitude of gratitude because of what God has done in your life. That's a spiritual discipline uh, that God wants you to have in your life, and so. Maybe uh, you need to get more involved in church. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that would be a blessing, obviously, for our church. And I know if you're at another church, it would be a blessing for your church uh, to get more involved, to start serving. There's always needs to be met in church. And and usually a lot of them are behind the scenes. And if you're not an in-front kind of guy, that's not an excuse because... You know, you can, uh, you can serve behind the scenes. So maybe you need to get more involved in church, and that's your spiritual resolution. Um, maybe you need to develop uh, Christ-centered friendships. Uh, you have a lot of friends, but majority of them aren't really good influences or aren't really leading you closer to God, and, and you, your relationship with God just is kind of, you know, comfortable, or, you know, maybe it's, you know, just lukewarm or whatever it is because you don't have Christ-centered friendships. That, you know, where people are encouraging you uh, to, to read scripture, encouraging you to pray with your wife, encouraging you to forgive, you know, other people and not hold a grudge. Maybe, maybe that's uh, your spiritual resolution. Well, here, here's the thing. For some of us, you know, we have, you know, many great examples of how to, you know, develop our relationship with Christ. I have great parents. I have a great wife loves Jesus um, and I was raised in a Christian home, so I had great examples of how to to have you know or, or how to live the Christian life. But for many of you, you don't. Uh, many of you, you walk around going, "Man, I, I want to grow. I want to be consistent in you know my relationship with the Lord, but I just don't know where to start." And you know, this New Year's, you want to say, "I want to grow. I, I want to, but I need someone to show me." how to grow in my relationship with Christ. Well, here's, here's what I want to close, again, this message series with. Um, and and this is, So this is the main point of the whole, the whole message today. We must make Jesus our legend. Uh, <clears throat> another definition of a legend is a diagram or a key or, you know, whatever it is on a map. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to see this really well, but I've got uh, an amazing book here, the Western Cattle Trail, 1874-1897, It's Rise, Collapse, and Revival. It's a great, great book. It ha- it's really thick, and it has a lot of uh, information about the, the trails of the West, the cattle trails. And in this, it has maps. They have some uh, pretty amazing maps. They uh, actually have a full-size map that they give you with this book as well. Um, and on map, on a map, and again, some of you kids are like, "What map? What is that?" You know, I mean, MapQuest or Siri. I, 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 you know, get my directions from them. Well, I've said this before, but you know, we used to have maps, and they were on paper, and and, and on a map, majority of the time, there are things that are called legends. And I know you can't see this real well, 
Um, but there is a uh, little diagram with some drawings and some symbols on it that um, describe, you know, some of the things that are on the map. And so they, they help the map make sense. Uh, on this map, it's a trail, um, you know, that, that takes, you know, that shows the route uh, where they delivered beef to the Indian agencies. And on this map, there's a, you know, a legend that describes some of the trails that they were on. The, the little circles are the East Trail. The circles, you know, that are hollow in the middle, uh, they're the trail, uh, the river trail to Belfouche. Um, and so on this, there is a legend that helps us make sense of the map that we're looking at. The, and the map would never make sense without them. I mean, we wouldn't be able to follow it unless we read the legend. And, and we won't be able to get to the right destination unless we read the legend as well. Well, here's the point. In the map called life, we need to make Jesus our legend. He needs to be the key that we look at to opening up the direction that we, not that just we want to go, but that he wants us to go. And so he needs to be our legend. He can help us make sense out of life. Uh, some of you guys are in a you know, situation or a season in your life where you don't have direction. You don't know what's next. Maybe you're a college student and you just graduated you know, in December and you need to know what's my next step. Well, Jesus can help make sense of that if we will make him our legend. And he helps us get into the right direction or to go in the right direction. He helps us to, to get to the right destination. And so you say, well, so the question is, so how do we make Jesus our legend? And I want to answer that. And, and, and it's one point, and then I want to kind of give you some examples of, of what I mean. But here's, here's the point. How do we make Jesus the legend of our life? Well, we have to pattern our life after His. Ephesians 5.1, it says this, Imitate God. Before... Uh, or therefore, in everything you do, because you are, dear, are His dear children. We are called to imitate God. Well, Jesus obviously was God, and we learned that through Him coming on Christmas, God with us, being, you know, His name is Emmanuel, God with us, so He was fully God. And so, in other words, we, we are to imitate or pattern our lives after Jesus. And you say, well, what does that look like? Well, I'll give you a few examples. Um, in leadership, uh, what does that look like? And you say, well, but I'm not a leader. Well, you are. Um, if you're a parent, you lead your kids. If you're a husband, you lead your wife. If you're a wife, you can lead your husband as well. And, and, and if you're, you know, again, you have a home, you lead your family. Uh, if you're at work, you're a leader. You might be a leader at school. Um, and people are looking to you. Maybe you're the, the leader of the football team or the basketball team or, you know, the leader of the you know, whatever club you, you're a part of. Well, you are a leader, and so everybody's a leader. Everybody has somebody looking at them, looking for, you know, looking for guidance from them. And so we're all leaders, and Jesus was an amazing leader. And if we can look at his life, make him the legend of our life that shows us how to be a leader, then we're that far ahead. Uh, look at uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. It says this, it says, so Jesus called them together and said, and he's talking to his disciples, and he said this, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. Now again, he's talking about leaders. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. 
And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So you say, what does that mean? Well, Jesus says that if we're going to be a leader, we're going to have to be like him. Uh, He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And so as we lead people, we need to lead with that servant-like leadership. We need to invest in people. We need to take time you know, to serve people. We need to, to, to be generous to people and, and just serve them. We need to you know, you know, be like Jesus, and he, he led with integrity. I mean, that was another quality that he had. He led with humility, but he also led with confidence. So when we need direction on how to lead, we, if Jesus is our legend, we look to Jesus for the direction in our leadership. And so, I don't, I don't know if that hits you, but you are a leader, um, and Jesus can show us how to be the leader that he wants us to be. Uh, another way that we can, if we will make you know, Jesus our legend, uh, and, and another character that we need to follow that, that he shows us and pattern our lives after is obedience. Jesus was obedient, and because he was obedient, it helps us know how to be obedient as well. First uh, John five one through three it says this. It says everyone who believes in Jesus, it, or that Jesus is the Christ, has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his loves his children too. And we know the love God, or, or and and or, excuse me, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey His commandments. By the way, I was just pointing. Did you notice that? Um, but it says, if we love God and obey his commandments, loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. And so you say, well, what's the point? Well, like Jesus, we are called to obey. And he is the greatest example of that. I remember back in the day when I was probably in junior high or whatever, uh, they came out with bracelets. I don't know if you remember these. I don't actually have one, but they came out with bracelets that said WWJD. I know this is old school, but it, it really worked. Um, and so you say, well, what does that stand for? Well, it stood for what would Jesus do? And <clears throat> I mean, it probably saved me from sinning a lot uh, when I wore that bracelet because I, I think I had a yellow one as well or a red one or something maybe. Um, I probably had all colors. My mom probably bought it for me because she knew I needed to be reminded um, to ask you know, Jesus what he would do before I did something. Uh, but what would Jesus do? And so it was this phenomenal or phenomenon of you know, wearing this to be reminded of how to obey and do what Jesus would do. And you say, well, why do, why do we do that? Or why did we have that? Well, Jesus was, was an obedient person. He obeyed his father. He, he desired to obey him, and, and he made choices every day to obey him. And Jesus had a desire to, to obey God. And we can read story after story of his obedience. Um, listen to how he obeyed. I'll, I'll give you a few examples. Philippians 2, uh, 5 through 8, it says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. 
So here's, here's how Jesus was obedient. He came to the earth. Um, you know, he could have looked at his father when, when God said, Hey, Jesus, I want you to go to the earth and save the world. He could have said, Well, I don't know about that. And he could have rebelled. Uh, but he didn't. He said, Okay, I'll, I'll go to earth and I'll be obedient to do your will in my life. He, no, he not only came to earth, but he was actually obedient in, in being crucified. Um, he took on a cross that he didn't want to take on. But at the end of the day, he said, you know, in John six thirty eight, it says, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, and not to do my own will. And so Jesus was obedient to his Father. When it came to doing his will or doing God's will, uh, his Father's will, he said, I'm going I'm to do my, my Father's will. And so we can learn from his obedience. We can pattern our life after not only his leadership, but his obedience and live our life and make him the legend of our life. And so another thing is this, uh, you know, pattern our life after his love. If we're going to have him as our legend and we're going to look to him for direction and guidance in our life on how to treat people, how to, you know, you know, do things in life, then one of the greatest ways, one of the greatest examples that we can set is how we love. Jesus his example of love helps us know how to love. Um, Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31 says this. It says, and Jesus is talking, and he says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Jesus if there was anybody else that showed an example of love, Jesus showed the greatest example of love. Um, and in his love, it was countercultural. I don't know if you understand that word, but counterculture means we do the opposite of what the culture says. So when Jesus was alive, you know, the culture would say, don't forgive, and Jesus would forgive. The culture would say, you know, pay back. You know, they spit in your face, they beat you, get them. I mean, kill them, take them out. I mean, you got all these angels. Remember the devil even tempted Jesus, said, you got all these angels, you know, save yourself. I mean, and, and, and you know, when people would lash out, I mean, he had the temptation to do what the world says, but his love said, I'm going to turn the other cheek. And so when others said that, he did the opposite. His love was counterculture, uh, cultural. Uh, when others said, show anger, he showed peace. When others said, show no mercy, uh, Jesus showed mercy. And so, patterning our lives after Jesus' love is not, it's countercultural, but it's not only countercultural, it can actually change the culture that you're living in. Uh, I'll give you a few examples, and maybe these are somewhat personal, but um, I know that hopefully, some, not hopefully, but you know, many of you guys maybe uh, struggle with the same things maybe that I do. Uh, and, and, and the way that we can change the culture, I'll give you an example in my own life, you know, because, you know, like I'd share with you before, sometimes I get stressed out about, you know, preaching or, you know, coming up with a, you know, message for Sunday and, you know, being able to, you know, I'm speak in front of, you know, a bunch of people and all that stuff and I get stressed. Um, and because I get stressed, I, I can, you know, like I said already, lash out or, you know, say something that I shouldn't say or, you know, you know, get ticked off at, you know, at the drop of a hat or whatever it is because of the stress in my life. Well, if Jesus is my legend, uh, then I should look at Jesus and, and know that Jesus, you know, he got stressed, 
but he never let stress cause him to sin. Um, and so the challenge for me and maybe the challenge for you is maybe you don't let stress affect the way that you respond to your spouse. Um, maybe you don't let stress affect the way that you, you know, are around your kids. Uh, again, I, I, I'm learning that because Jesus showed us this example of love and, and, and he didn't allow the stresses of life to cause him to sin, I need to do the same thing. How do we do that? Well, again, we, we think about it and we say, okay, God, how do you want me to respond before this takes place? And then we prepare our mind, we prepare our hearts to be able to respond in the right way. Um, another thing is that, you know, I believe shows love, and, and I'm kind of the guy that wants my kids to do everything. I mean, if you're going you're gonna to have pigs, you're going to do all the chores. I'm never going to do a chore. If you have, you know, goats, you're going to do all the chores. I'm never going to do the chore. What I've learned is, you know, I can show my kids love by showing them and teaching them responsibility um, and teaching them how to work hard, but I can also show them love by serving them. I'll give you an example of this. On Christmas, um, my kids, obviously, they're still chores. And uh, <clears throat> my son, Hank, he uh, has probably the most chores because the, the pigs, you know, they're just kind of messy and they, you know, the water's frozen because it's cold out and so he has to go pour water in buckets and all this stuff. And so I went out and did all their chores and uh, it just was amazing how they responded um, because I showed them love um, by doing something that maybe they don't enjoy as much. Um, I got a hug from my son and, and I know my other kids, they all hugged me and gave me a kiss and just told me how much they love me. And so Here's the point. When we show the love of Jesus, it changes the culture around us. Uh, it changes the culture in, in our family. Um, when I serve my kids, when I serve my wife, it changes the culture. I'll give you another example, and it has to do with, you know, those of you that are married. Uh, you know, Jesus, obviously, he wasn't um, married that, that we know of, but he taught us how to love our spouse. Uh, Ephesians 5.25, it says this. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Well, here, again, an example of this was the, or of his love, showing the love that Jesus you know, told us to have, is that we put our spouse first. Um, again, I, I don't know if you struggle with it, but I do. Uh, putting my spouse first, I, you know, I want to have my way first. I want to get my way. I want to do, you know, things that I want to do. Uh, but when we put our spouse first, when we put even our kids first, when we're, you know, quick to admit that we're wrong, we're quick to show mercy and not hold a grudge, the pattern of love in our marriage that we get the example through and the teachings of Jesus, it changes the culture of our marriage. When I serve my wife and I show her love, she's more apt and willing to show me love as well. And so maybe in your marriage, you need to make God the legend of your marriage, and He can show you uh, how to get out of uh, bad situations too, how to stay out of the, you know, the doghouse, and how to you know, love your spouse. Um, another way that you know, making Jesus our legend, and He's showing us you know, how to love e each other, and that changing the culture, that can happen in the workplace. Um, I work in an amazing culture. I, I have, we have amazing staff on our, you know, on our church staff, and it's an amazing culture. But, you know, for some of you, you live and work in a culture to where it's not very easy. 
Um, maybe people talk, you know, behind your back. Maybe people gossip. Maybe people, you know, are doing things, you know, that are ungodly, uh, you know, on the weekends or whatever it is. Well, here, here's what I've learned. You can change the culture by how you live your life. And if you'll live your life in a, in a way that shows them love, it can change the culture. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a few examples. Um, don't speak against anybody. In other words, don't gossip. When everybody else is gossiping, you choose to keep your mouth shut, and you actually choose to speak for them. Um, and, and you speak kind words about them. I've learned this, and this, is, this can revolutionize the workplace. When I serve my boss, even if he's a jerk, it changes him, and it changes the culture. When I show him love, even though maybe he's asking me to do something that, you know, he knows good and well, you know, that maybe I'm, you know, not very good at or whatever it is. Um, and so maybe something that he wouldn't do himself. If I do it and, and I serve him, it changes the culture. Um, if I encourage, you know, even my boss, if I, you know, serve, you know, with gladness rather than begrudgingly and, you know, always whining about, you know, what's going wrong or what's not going wrong. I mean, there's a time and a place for all of that. Go through the process that's set up in your business. But at the end of the day, you know, loving that person that you work with, loving your boss, loving those co-workers, um, it can change the culture. And Jesus taught us that. Jesus taught us to do our best. And so that's another thing, doing your best, you know, serving uh, at your job, doing your job to the best of your ability. Don't cut corners, but allow um, God and Jesus to show you and remind you, hey, I gave you this job. I want you to do it for my glory. I want you to do it um, because you're grateful for the job that you have. Maybe you go the extra mile. Uh, in, in Ephesians 5, again, it says in verses 15 and 16, it says this, Be very careful on how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And so maybe in your workplace, you need to change the culture by showing the, the love that Jesus has shown you. And you make that a pattern of your life. So in your leadership, in your love, in you know, the workplace, in your family, in all those ways, you look to Jesus, the legend of your life, and you say, okay, Jesus, show me how. Give me the direction that I need to get to the destination that you want me to get to. And so living this way can change the culture of your life, change the culture of your life. And so... In, in closing, you know, with Jesus as our legend, uh, you know, showing us how to lead, obey, love, we have the direction we need to guide us through this map called life. And there, to me, there is no better way to celebrate the new year than making Jesus Christ the legend of your life. And so maybe you need to do that today. I don't know where you're watching this. You may be, you know, driving down the road, you know, headed to... Um, you know, a party that, uh, you know, for a New Year's Eve party, or I don't, I don't know what it is, but, but maybe you need to make a spiritual resolution to make Jesus the legend of your life. Um, I don't know if, you're, again, you're driving or not, but if you're not, if you would just bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. Um, at the end of every message that I preach, I want to always share what I believe that God would have us to do about the lesson that he taught us uh, today. And so you say, well, what, what, what does God call me to do? Well, I pray and I, 
I want to challenge you again to make a resolution, and maybe not an, even a New Year's resolution, but maybe just a commitment to the Lord to say, maybe something like this. Maybe you just pray something like this. Jesus, I need your direction. Jesus, I, I need you to be the legend of my life. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to get there. I don't know the directions, but I know that you know the directions, and I want to, to know the pattern that I'm supposed to live, so I want to make you the legend of my life. Guide me and direct me this new year. You may have made that commitment just now. I hope that you did. Um, and one of the ways that I feel like I can keep resolutions uh, that I make or commitments that I even make to the Lord um, is to tell somebody. And so maybe you need to share this resolution that you made. Maybe, again, it's, it's you know, a, a spiritual you know, resolution to make Jesus the legend of your life. Maybe it's just treating your, your family better. Maybe it's, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve my boss better or, or, you know, be my best at work and not cut corners. I don't, I don't know what your spiritual resolution is, but I know that, again, God wants you to live the pattern of your life after Jesus. And so one of the ways that we are able to, to work out those resolutions and stick with them and those commitments is to share them with someone else. Um, so maybe you need to tell your, your wife, this is my resolution. Um, maybe you need to say you know, to, to one of your good friends, I, I'm making this commitment this year and I need you to hold me accountable. And you say, I don't have anybody to do that with. Well, I'll give you a, an option. Obviously, most of you have Facebook and, and, and you know what, you know, sending a message is like a private message. I would encourage you to go to our, our Facebook at uh, Thousand Hills Ranch uh, Church on Facebook and, you know, send us a message. Um, maybe say, you know, here's my spiritual resolution or here's how I'm planned to make Jesus the legend of my life. And you just send us a message, and that way we can have a record of it as well. I, I would be encouraged, and I, I won't send your name out or you know, tell who it is, but I would be encouraged to be able to share that with our church and to share that online, to, to be able to say people all over northwest Oklahoma or all over the world are making spiritual resolutions to make Jesus the legend of their life. And this is how they plan to do that. And so accountability is great. I hope that you'll do that. I am accountable to you to maybe lose a few pounds. Um, and, you know, be more romantic. So you can ask my wife if I've accomplished that uh, throughout this year. Either way, Happy New Year. Uh, we're so glad, again, that you decided to join us this morning or this evening, whenever you watch this. And cheers to uh, 2018. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us at Thousand Hills. We pray your life was changed by what you heard. If you've made a commitment today, contact us at 580-216-6427. Or check out our website at thousandhillsranch.church where you can give your tithes. Thank you again and have a great week.